Good evening and welcome to Mets 360 here on CAST. That's right, CAST. We haven't been on CAST in a while. Uh, we've moved over into the Legend Sports Network, uh, Lenny uh, Milnick's uh, podcast system. We had some uh, technical difficulties uh, on our regularly scheduled Wednesday night with our guest David Groveman. So we decided we'd try back again here on CAST and uh, make it so everyone could hear David loud and clear. That is, of course, if David is here. David, I, David. I, I'm here. Can everyone hear me? I yeah. hope I can. Yeah, sounds it sounds a hundred times better than it did Wednesday night. Fantastic. So let's get right into it. Uh, and actually, there's been something uh, news in Mets land since we tried to do the podcast on Wednesday, and that's from seemingly out of nowhere. They signed Jed Lowry to a two-year deal. What's your take on the Lowry signing? Well, you know, when when you have sort of uh, a plan for first base, and you just have uh, acquired a very expensive second baseman. You have a prospect you brought up to play shortstop that was your number one prospect, and you have a guy sort of enshrined on third base because he's a, a veteran that you paid a lot of money for last year. The thing you do is bring in another infielder, and that's what the Mets did. They brought in Jed Lowry. Jed Lowry, it's not that he's a bad player. I like Jed Lowry a lot, and I think that his bat and glove will help the Mets. The problem here is that that timeshare that I saw developing at third base between Todd Frazier and Jeff McNeil is now gone. So Jeff McNeil's ability to get some legitimate playing time at the major league level is now more or less denied. There's no way that I see Jeff McNeil winning a first base position. I think first base is still going to be a competition between uh, a number of the, the, the prospect-ish uh, names that we have. But I see third base going to Jed Lowry, shortstop going to Ahmed Rosario, and uh, second base, Robinson Cano. All right, so I've got two things for you that I want to run by you because I'm, I'm pretty much in agreement. I like Jed Lowry. I, I think that uh, that was a nice value signing for the Mets, and sometimes you get the guys and you worry about the positions later. But if I was the manager filling out the lineup card, I'd put Jeff McNeil in left field and put Brandon Nimmo in center. What do you think about that? I think that's gutsy with him only playing something like six games in the outfield in his minor league career. I think you can have him go out in spring training and give it a shot, but that is a lot to hope for in a guy who hasn't played that long in baseball. I believe uh, Jeff McNeil was a golfer until his senior year of high school. So there you go. He's athletic. He, <laughs> he has he has all of spring training to uh, undergo a, a crash course. But, yeah, what, uh, what they say about golfers is the athleticism is, is what they're known for. Absolutely. You know, they, they don't get fat until they're on the senior tour. So <laughs> uh, all that walking, you know. Yeah. But uh, uh, the other thing, and, and this is more of a joke, uh, this is something that I saw somebody else say on Twitter, and, and I'm, I'm stealing it without any apologies. And uh, it was that the, the Mets signed Lowry because they know uh, Cano already failed a drug test. Oy. That's, <laughs> that, that stings. <laughs> but actually, you know, that might be the best of both worlds because the, as long as he's suspended, they don't have to pay him. That's true. So you don't pay him, then you have Lowry playing second base, and then McNeil is there to play third. But uh, I don't, I don't think that that's going to be the case. I think that uh, I don't think we're going to see another drug suspension on Cano. 
All right, now let, let's get back into our uh, originally scheduled questions from Wednesday night, and we were going to talk about the three trades that the the Mets pulled off. Let's start off with the uh, Keon Broxton one. Uh, they sent three minor leaguers, uh, and that's Bobby Wall, Adam Hill, and Felix Valerio. Uh, tell us about those three minor league guys and your thoughts on this deal. So of the three, I think two of them are legitimate prospects that I was interested in. Bobby Wall uh, was a right on the cusp relief pitcher uh, and the Mets actually had a couple players like him because they still have Tyler Bashler, they still have Drew Smith, they still have Jacob Rahm and there's a few others actually who sort of fit that mold of their around AAA, they could come to the majors and Bobby Wall has great stats in the minors and just can't seem to get going in the majors and what's interesting about that is his, his numbers in the minors come from the PCL. So that's the AAA league that has the inflated offensive numbers. And for some reason, his pitching numbers are great there. The other player I wanted to highlight is Felix Valerio. He's a tiny guy. He's a middle infielder. But he had a great season in the DSL. Doesn't mean necessarily that much. It's the DSL. He's, you know... A long time from being in the major league level at least I would say five years but he's a lottery ticket and that's you know what what teams want as a, a toss-in they want someone who could be good uh, and and see what you know the most they can get the other team to give up in that sense the third guy was Adam Hill who was the Mets fourth round draft pick uh, out of I believe it was South Carolina uh, they sent him to Brooklyn. He had a bunch of strikeouts, but he also gave up a fair number of runs. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not losing sleep over uh, trading Wall or, or Hill. And, and Valerio, you took the words right out of my mouth. He's a lottery ticket. Um, you know, maybe he, he develops into something, but you, you can't let a guy from the DSL hold up a trade. Right. And, and Adam Hill, he was a fourth-round pick which is a somewhat high pick, but he gave up a lot of hits. The opponent batting average against him was really high. That's not something you want from a pitcher. Uh, and the Mets, in this trade, got something they needed. Because unlike uh, signing an infielder in an overcrowded infield, they took on an outfielder who can play center field and who might have what it takes to earn a starting position. You know, with an open competition between Broxton and Juan Lagares, you might see Broxton come out on on top. Broxton has 20-20 potential. He's uh, had one season in the majors where he hit 20 homers, and he has two seasons where he stole 20 bases. Um, his defense is, is at least acceptable. His, his numbers have been up and down uh, depending upon the year, but he, he looks to be a capable fielder in center field. My issue with him is uh, even in the best-case scenario, he's got a non-base percentage under 300, and you, you really don't want to accumulate too many guys like that. No, you don't. All right, well, the, uh, the next trade was uh, they acquired uh, J.D. Davis and uh, Cody Bahonek, uh from the Astros, and they sent out three more minor leaguers, and those were Ross Adolph and Scott Mania and Luis Santana. So uh, fill us in on those three guys. So um, the three prospects uh, in order of how, you know, I'll, I'll go with the, the hardest to swallow last. So Scott Manea, he, he had a decent year. He's a catching prospect. There's not a lot of buzz about him, and he's sort of a depth catching prospect. So it's not something that the Mets really had any great faith in. 
Moving along to Ross Adolf, I probably despite all of the wheeling and dealing, the Mets have retained their top two prospects, um, Adolph, and that being uh, Peter Alonso and uh, Andres Jimenez. So let's start talking about uh, Alonso. Obviously, the Lowry move makes it uh, more difficult for him to make the team out of spring training. But what do you expect from Alonso here in 2019? So the the Lowry move makes it more difficult for him to make the team out of spring training. But the Mets have still said enough on a marketing level that. I believe really, really the fans are expecting Alonso to have that, a chance. The thing about and I Luis still, uh, I, I don't see Lowry being the reason that, um, that the Mets will not of, put uh, Alonso on the team. I think Lowry uh, is going to be the third baseman. The I think Lowry's on third. I think Rosario's on short. I think Cano's on second. I think the question right now has to be whether Frazier is going to be the first baseman to start the year or if the Mets are going to move on from Todd Frazier because Alonso surpasses him. I think like that's Santana the best thing that the Mets Valerio could do for their lineup right now. So I think that's because, what they have uh, to do. Santana I think the open competition nice will be Todd Frazier, uh, Peter Alonso, Dominic Smith, nice and J.D. Davis. Of those, I think Dominic Smith has almost uh, no chance you gotta to win that competition. I think the Mets want him to go down to AAA. I think the Mets want him to try to learn the outfield. And I think the Mets really just want him to do something in AAA so they can trade him for something, anything. I don't think they want him on the Mets anymore. Correct. And then, JD um, Davis, the other, I the other have to believe of, of based upon you know what the Mets gave up for him that, that they, you now they have like him. Mets making a and move maybe they think they that if Peter Alonso doesn't work uh, out, ignoring Bodie Bohannock because I don't now, really think that he was an the important Mets talk part of tough the deal. about JD Davis uh, bucking the trend and, and having Alonso make the opening day lineup, but virtually nobody does that with their top prospects anymore. And I think that the Lowry move certainly gives them enough cover to, at the very least, keep him down. Great two or three weeks so again. that they gain sort of that like extra Bobby year of control. But I think you're Bobby right. I think uh, what they end up doing with um, we have what they end JD up doing great with Todd Frazier will be uh, a long way towards what happens with Alonso. With an yeah, I think... And then if Todd Frazier has a good spring, or at least a decent spring, if he looks better than he did last and, year, and I could see the Mets not only did he not saying, all right, well, we're going to let Todd Frazier start the season at first base. Was, we're going to get uh, that coverage so Peter Alonso can go down uh, to the minor leagues, an, an, get a little bit more time in AAA, because he didn't spend the full season in AAA, and then bring him up when he wouldn't reach that Super 2 status. That, that gives you I wouldn't be happy if Peter Alonso is hitting in the spring training. Sure, yeah. I, I think if Peter Alonso hits, he deserves sort of to be the best starting case scenario. We're looking at a Wilmer Flores. All right, well, let's talk about uh, Jimenez. Well uh, this time last year, he was numbers. the Mets' uh, top so prospect, almost exclusively on the basis of the minors and the majors. He came over and, and uh, really held his own in the full season league, and that was very impressive. But you look at what he did last year; he was still very young for his age, and he added production to that. Speaking of were you surprised about how well he did last uh, year, and, and what do you see to the him in this upcoming season? And in return, they got I was Walker, I was definitely and surprised and pleasantly surprised like by what so, we were um, seeing from Andre Jimenez. He, in the sense he that we got really earned his way out of Advanced A into Double A, and then he played well in Double A when he got there. He wasn't off the charts good in Double A, but he was still good when he got to Double A. The thing that that we have to remember with Jimenez is he's an offensive 
offensive tick, a solid offensive Can't tick have enough behind Andre, uh, behind uh, Ahmed right Rosario. So Walker Lockett So it's going to be really hard for him to unseat Rosario based on anything he does with the bat. Again, the other His half defense this, is better. Kevin Ploiecki, if the guy that I Rosario up ends up minors, having to I think that take time off because he's injured, I think Jimenez is going to be him. pretty pretty high on the Mets' depth chart in terms of who they can have replace him. He so if it's any extended period of time, Jimenez can step up, career, and then the Mets may have to face a possibility of moving Rosario to a new position, moving Jimenez to a new position, or shifting things around and making a trade. I think Jimenez is a very the, the good player, and I think he's unique in the Mets system in the sense that he's a speed-oriented player. I think he he's one of those really rare guys in this Mets system really that I could see as a leadoff hitter. When I assume he opens now, this year, let's uh, talk about in, a tangentially related issue here. Yeah, it will be. It will as be good of right to see now, what happens when he gets to have a more balanced league. On the I don't think he's ready Jed for. Jed Lowry uh, played shortstop the uh, four years ago, yet, but he's close. Uh, Jeff McNeil, that then came up as a shortstop. Another player played Sam Haggerty early in his minor league career. I believe I called. Uh, you don't want him playing shortstop. You don't want Jeff McNeil. I don't want Jed Lowry playing shortstop either. I prefer Jed Lowry just based on the fact that he's done it for a substantial period of time. Uh, Jeff McNeil, <laughs> it's purely Haggerty, uh, he's, hoping he's that his, his physicality and the he, fact that he's, he's younger would allow him to hold the position. I think what you're looking at as your, your backup shortstop right now is either bringing up Gavin Chikini or perhaps bringing up... We'll see. Oh, uh, I'm... Um, uh, all right, well, we've is covered all the, is that, is that how you pronounce it? in the last yep. uh, six to so eight days. Do you think that so let's go back either Chikini or Guillaume have a chance to make the opening day roster for the Mets? And I don't know if they have a chance to make the opening day roster the way it sits right now. I think that the way the Mets have built this team, the way they have spent their money, it just winds up that Jed Lowry is your first line of defense to Ahmed Rosario goes down for a game or two, and then Jed Lowry has to a game or two. If it goes beyond that, where you're going to put him onto on the disabled list for any period of time, Chikini is, probably uh, is the, uh, is the number one guy. Um, they gave too and much. There's a lot of questions if he can play shortstop in the majors, too. He certainly other didn't seem to have the wanted him, and that was part of the reason that He didn't seem to have the arm for it, and he certainly has had some ups and downs. I've seen Chikini play live, and I actually didn't think his arm was bad. And given in um, comparing Kellenic, the, the, the two of the shortstops that I saw draft. live that were I don't uh, like throwing this scouted around for their defense, it's, it's more I saw Wilmer Flores play live, and I saw Gavin Chikini play live, like, and Mike Flores had no arm. Chikini had an arm. It wasn't Jared a phenomenal arm. It wasn't a Jose Reyes arm, like but it was a good arm. Really, I think that he is that utility player that is going to play multiple positions. Shortstop is one of the ones he's going to be asked to play. He's not necessarily going to play fantastically well, going in a new but direction. I think he can that play really it. I think stung. when you get him into Syracuse, no part of Cano really you will see him play better defense uh, now that he's out he's of that horrible, horrible I am, Las Vegas doesn't, doesn't packed dirt really bode well for... Uh, his longevity well, it'll as, be real uh, interesting to see. Uh, you know, the, the big thing last year, uh, as far as really Chikini goes, is that the other he kind of became Lost one of the launch well, angle he, disciples he and, really and was starting to, to hit the ball in the air it. more often. It, it, and he didn't get a chance to, to prove it a whole lot because he got hurt and missed most of the year. So to me, it'll be real curious to see what he does both offensively and defensively. I think I like him more than the Mets do, but I still think there's a player in there somewhere.
to I think me, there's a player. I, I think I, I at, think that he's you know, that a, a backup player. I think Diaz that he is a utility and, and, guy who can give you some real useful innings. Um, you know, Diaz, as long as you're not expecting him two, to to uh, be, first round you know, and Cano was a, bit a, much a for superstar, an everyday Diaz. starting shortstop who's going I to be an offensive impact bat. You're not going to get that from him. That's that's really. It's not even what the Mets drafted. They drafted a safety shortstop when they drafted him. You know, so now a deal in the Mets. Favor. You're looking and if they at have given up only a solid Kellenic, utility player. That's probably in my All right, mind a well, fair um, deal. But I want to ask you about is just, uh, is, is if you feel like you have a sleeper prospect for the Mets in their I farm system really in 2019. And here I'm in, looking in for fairness, someone besides Alonzo who can come up and contribute to the major league roster in a meaningful way this season. Maybe it's Chikini, although with all of the infielders ahead of him, that seems like it's doubtful. Do you have a sleeper prospect? So obviously, I, fan, uh, up to the, the trade of Lowry, Giacchini was my sleeper prospect. Certainly because not. I do and think you know, that it's, he, it's has, uh, he has a versatility and the utility on the Mets uh, team. To, to so them, what it comes down to as a, a real sleeper pick, it has to be amongst those names of relief pitchers. And my sleeper pick is Tim Peterson. The Mets right now do not have a lefty relief pitcher who is ready to step up. And of the now, despite all of the wheeling and dealing, the Mets have retained their top two prospects, um, and that being uh, Peter Alonso and uh, Andres Jimenez. So let's start talking about uh, Alonso. Obviously, the Lowry move makes it uh, more difficult for him to make the team out of spring training. But what do you expect from Alonso here in 2019? So the the Lowry move makes it more difficult for him to make the team out of spring training, but the Mets have still said enough on a marketing level that I believe the fans are expecting Alonzo to have a chance. And I still uh, I, I don't see Lowry being the reason that the Mets will not put uh, Alonzo on the team. I think Lowry is going to be the third baseman. I think Lowry's on third. I think Rosario's on short. I think Cano's on second. I think the question right now has to be whether Frazier is going to be the first baseman to start the year, or if the Mets are going to move on from Todd Frazier because Alonzo surpasses him. I think that's the best thing that the Mets could do for their lineup right now, so I think that's what they have to do. I think the open competition will be Todd Frazier, uh, Peter Alonzo, Dominic Smith, and J.D. Davis. Of those, I think Dominic Smith has almost no chance to win that competition. I think the Mets want him to go down to AAA. I think the Mets want him to try to learn the outfield. And I think the Mets really just want him to do something in AAA so they can trade him for something, anything. I don't think they want him on the Mets anymore. J.D. Davis, I have to believe, based upon you know what the Mets gave up for him, that they, they like him. And maybe they think that if Peter Alonso doesn't work out, J.D. Davis might. Now, the Mets talk tough about uh, bucking the trend and, and having Alonso make the opening day lineup, but virtually nobody does that with their top prospects anymore. And I think that the Lowry move certainly gives them enough cover to, at the very least, keep them down for two or three weeks so that they gain that extra year of control. But I think you're right. I think uh, what they end up doing with... Um, what they end up doing with Todd Frazier will be uh, a long way towards what happens with Alonzo. Yeah, I think if Todd Frazier has a good spring, 
or at least a decent spring, if he looks better than he did last year, I could see the Mets saying, all right, well, we're going to let Todd Frazier start the season at first base. We're going to get that coverage so Peter Alonso can go down to the minor leagues, get a little bit more uh, you know, time in AAA, because he didn't spend a full season in AAA, and then bring him up when he wouldn't reach that Super 2 status. I wouldn't be happy if Peter Alonso's hitting in the spring training. I, I think if Peter Alonso hits, he deserves to be the starting first baseman. All right, well, let's talk about uh, Jimenez. Uh, this time last year, he was the Mets' uh, top prospect almost exclusively on the basis of age. He came over and, and uh, held his own in a full-season league, and uh, that was very impressive. But you look at what he did last year, he was still very young for his, his age, and he added production to that. Uh, were you surprised about how well he did last year, and, and what do you see from him in this upcoming season? I was I was definitely surprised and pleasantly surprised by what we were seeing from Andres Jimenez. He he really earned his way out of advanced A into double A and then he played well in double A when he got there. He wasn't off the charts uh good in double A, but he was still good when he got to double A. Um, the thing that, that we have to remember with Jimenez is he's an offensive tick, a solid offensive tick behind Andre, uh, behind uh, Ahmed Rosario. So it's going to be really hard for him to unseat Rosario uh, based on anything he does with the bat. His defense is better. If Rosario ends up having to take time off because he's injured, Jimenez is going to be pretty pretty high on the Mets' depth charts in terms of who they can have replace him. So if it's any extended period of time, Jimenez can step up, and then the Mets may have to face a possibility of moving Rosario to a new position, moving Jimenez to a new position, or shifting things around and making a trade. Uh, I think Jimenez is a very good player, and I think he's unique in the Mets system in the sense that he's a speed-oriented player. He's one of those rare guys in this Mets system that I could see as a leadoff hitter. Now, let, let's talk about a tangentially related issue here. And as of right now, the Mets don't appear to have a backup shortstop on the roster. Jed Lowry played shortstop uh, four years ago. Uh, Jeff McNeil, I think, came up as a shortstop, probably played some early in his minor league career. What you don't want him in... playing shortstop. You don't want well, Jeff McNeil. I, I don't want Jed Lowry playing shortstop either. I but... prefer Jed Lowry uh, just based on the fact that he's done it for a substantial period of time. Jeff McNeil, it's purely uh, hoping that his, his physicality and the fact that he's younger would allow him to hold the position. I think what you're looking at as your, your backup shortstop right now is – either uh, bringing up uh, Gavin Cicchini or perhaps uh, bringing up um, uh, um, um, uh, is, is it Guillaume? Is that is that how yeah. you pronounce it? Yep, yep. So do you think that either Cicchini or Guillaume have a chance to make the opening day roster then? I don't know if they have a chance to make the opening day roster the way it sits right now. I think that the way the Mets have built this team, the way they have spent their money, it just winds up that Jed Lowry is your first line of defense to Ahmed Rosario goes down for a game or two, and then Jed Lowry has to do a game or two. If it goes beyond that, where you're going to put him onto the disabled list for any period of time, Cicchini probably is the, is the number one guy up. And there's a lot of question if he can play shortstop in the majors, too. He certainly didn't seem to have the arm for it. 
he didn't seem to have the arm for it, and he certainly has has had some ups and downs. I've seen Chikini play live, and I actually didn't think his arm was bad. Um, comparing the, the the two of the shortstops that I saw live that were uh, specifically scouted for their defense, I saw Wilmer Flores play live, and I saw Gavin Chikini play live, and Flores had no arm. Chikini had an arm. It wasn't a phenomenal arm. It wasn't a Jose Reyes arm, but it was a good arm. I think that he is that utility player that is going to play multiple positions. Shortstop is one of the ones he's going to be asked to play. He's not necessarily going to play it fantastically well, but I think he can play it. I think when you get him into Syracuse, you will see him play better defense now that he's out of that horrible, horrible Las Vegas packed dirt field. Well, it'll be real interesting to see. Uh, you know, the big thing last year, uh, as far as Cicchini goes, is that he kind of became one of the launch angle disciples and, and was starting to, to hit the ball in the air more often. And he didn't get a chance to, to prove it a whole lot because he got hurt and, and missed most of the year. So to me, it'll be real curious to see what he does both offensively and defensively. I, I think I like him more than the Mets do, but I still think there's a player in there somewhere. I think there's a player. I think I think that he's a, a backup player. I think that he is a utility guy who can give you some real useful innings. Um, you know, as long as you're not expecting him to to be, you know, a a superstar, an everyday starting shortstop who's going to be an offensive impact bat, you're not going to get that from him. That's that's really it's not even what the Mets drafted. They drafted a safety shortstop when they drafted him. So, um, you know, you're looking at a solid utility player. All right. Well, um, I want to ask you about uh, if you feel like you have a sleeper prospect for the Mets and their farm system in 2019. And here I'm looking for someone besides Alonzo who can come up and contribute to the major league roster in a meaningful way this season. Maybe it's Cicchini, although with all of the, the, uh, the, the infielders ahead of him, that seems like it's doubtful. Do you have a sleeper prospect? So obviously, I, uh, up to the, the trade of Lowry, Cicchini was my sleeper prospect because I do think that he has uh, a versatility and a utility on the Mets uh, team. So what it comes down to as a sleeper pick, it has to be amongst those names of relief pitchers. And my sleeper pick is Tim Peterson. The Mets right now do not have a lefty relief pitcher who is ready to step up. And of the relief pitchers that the Mets have, I really think Tim Peterson has potential to be very good. I think that he could be that replacement lefty specialist that I know you hate lefty specialists, Brian, but I think that the Mets will look for one, and I think he's that one. Well, I, I don't uh, I don't buy that uh, at all. I, I, I think that you're probably looking in the, in the right position in relief pitchers, but I would say someone like an Eric Hanhold uh, probably has a, a better chance to come up and contribute. One of the things that we didn't talk about uh, that the moves that the Mets made in the last week or so is they got uh, Luis Avilan to a, uh, a non-roster invitation, and uh, he was he was exceptional last year against lefties. So if you're not uh, a Daniel Zamora fan, I think Avilan would be the, the way to go. Well, I, I mean, I, as long as we get someone who can come up and, 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 and do something... Because right now we, I don't, I don't think Daniel Zamora is 
that elite left-handed pitcher. I think you need at least one really decent left-handed pitcher on a team. And then, you know, Daniel Zamora is a great guy to be that second option. And, uh, you know, maybe Luis Avalon is going to be the guy. Maybe it's Hector Santiago. I don't know. All right. Well, we've reached the crazy prediction point in the program. Uh, I'll give you a crazy prediction, ask you to comment on it, and then I'll ask you to give me a crazy prediction of your own. Okay? Okay. All right. My crazy prediction is uh, Chris Vial, a sixth-round pick in 2016, who is three and 3-7 with a 475 ERA in an injury-shortened year last year. My crazy prediction that if he makes 20 starts in 2019 – He'll end the year as a top 20 prospect. So tell me, how crazy is that? Chris Vial, I, I mean, you know, he wasn't a guy that was completely off of my radar when I was going through my top 50, but I, I don't know. A guy who's 23 in, in Columbia, it really doesn't jump off the page as something that's all that likely. So I think that's pretty high on the crazy factor. Woohoo! You know, uh, I seem to be getting better at making my crazy predictions. For a long time, I would make them, and people would say, ah, oh, that doesn't seem so crazy. And then they never came true. But I think this is like three or four in a row where I've, I've been labeled as crazy. Uh, my, my thinking with uh, uh, Vial, and I'm, I'm not 100% sure how you pronounce his, his last name, um, so forgive me if, I, if I'm if massacring he, if he, it. If he reaches the top 20, we'll worry about how to, how to pronounce his last name. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, he's he's huge. He's like six five, six six, and I think six he nine. Hard. Six, six nine, six two fifty three. So. He, you know, he, if the Mets are looking to build a football team, we should build it around him, or, or a basketball <laughs> team. Um, but I, I think that injuries have held him back, and I think that he's uh, he's the guy if he can if he can prove that he's healthy and and a hundred percent back i think he's a guy who's primed to make a a big leap forward but uh it, it it's certainly far from a sure thing and and that's why you labeled me as crazy all right hit me up with yours all right well you went with a minor league thing and and i'm the minor league guy so i think if i'm going to be crazy i have to go with something that's pure major league so um I'm going to say that Todd Frazier earns himself an all-star nomination with a vintage Woo! performance circa 2015. And with all the hype that Cano is getting, that, that Jed Lowry is getting, that Conforto is protected by Todd Frazier as the number four hitter by the midpoint of the year. Wow. I dig it. And, and I have to say it's crazy. But having said that it's crazy, I, I do want to point out that just about everybody's forgotten what a good start Frazier got off to last year before the injuries hit. And here's a guy who had never been injured before in his career and, and quite honestly, did not handle it very well. I mean, certainly by the end of the year in September, he looked like just the shell of his former self, even though it appeared that he was 100% healthy at that point. But the first month, uh, first five weeks of the season, I mean, he had an 850 OPS. Right. And and yes, that's a very small sample size, but before the injuries hit, Frazier was very productive. So even though I labeled it as crazy, part of me thinks yeah, it could happen. But uh, so you know, I'm, well, I'm that, still saying the, crazy. That's the thing with crazy. You have to have in the realm of possibility. And and mm -hmm. likewise, uh, Chris Vial, Vial, I don't know, what, whatever we're going to say once he reaches our top 20, there are things to like about him. He does get a decent number of strikeouts, and his opponent batting average is not ugly. So, you know, this is someone who, who 
could, if he gets his, his walk rate down a little bit, probably could do something pretty good. But he, you know, for him to, to break the top 20 as a, an advanced A pitcher at the age of 24 is going to be rough. All right, well, let's, uh, uh, we, we've both deemed each other as crazy, so, so let's move on and we'll get you back into your comfort zone, out of the majors and back into the minors. Um, last year, the, the Mets' second-round pick uh, uh, drew a little criticism. I think there was a lot of people who thought that they overdrafted Simeon Woods Richardson, but then he turned in a, a pretty good debut year in the pros. What's your take on him? So I don't know that you can really necessarily overdraft beyond the first round and those like compensation picks that get labeled onto the first round. I think as soon as you reach the second round, go for the guys that you really want. And I think Simeon Woods Richardson, there were reasons to take him that high. He may have dropped to the next round. He may not have. But I think that based upon what we saw, we saw nothing but good from him. He has 17 and a thirds innings, not a lot of innings, but during those innings, he has 26 strikeouts. That's really, really nice. And a 1.10 whip is, is everything you want to see from a pitcher. There's not a lot to go on. I think that the Mets are going to probably send him to Brooklyn and let him be sort of, you know, that, that big name on the Brooklyn rotation. Brooklyn is a nice place for pitchers to go. It's a pretty safe spot for pitchers to go. It's a pitcher-friendly ballpark, so maybe we see some, some, some upwards momentum from Simeon Woods Richardson, maybe see him in that top 20 uh, coming next year. Now, I think there were some questions about his velocity, and I think that the people who said that they were overdrafted him thought that his velocity was in the, the 88 to 92 range, and uh, the player himself said that he had one game last year where he didn't have his normal velocity, but other than that, he was consistently in the mid 90s. And I'm I'm not sure if you have access to to minor league scouting reports or not, but just certainly from the results that we saw, that that seems more like uh, mid 90s stuff than uh, high 80s, maybe touching low 90s. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where uh, you may recall Thomas Zapucki also had that, that reputation as not having much of a fastball, and then he, he wound up in the minors, and everyone was seeing a fastball much higher than the scouting reports were saying. So, it, you know, scouting reports are not always accurate. And if the Mets went to a game where they were seeing this kid throwing in the mid-90s and, and had all this stuff, then the Mets drafted him where he belongs. Well, let's finish up with uh, something that we've alluded to earlier, and that's the the Mets' top farm club. Uh, For the past uh, four to six years, I forget exactly how long, uh, it was in uh, Las Vegas. But uh, they purchased the uh, the Syracuse club. They now own their own AAA thing, which I think is a fabulous thing. They they actually purchased it around this time last year, but they couldn't move in because the the affiliate still had one more year to go with the Nationals. So they kicked the Nationals out. The Mets are now in in Syracuse. How important do you think this is going to be for the Mets uh, in 2019 and beyond? So. In terms of 2019 and beyond, there's there's some some things that are really uh, positive about now being at Syracuse. Uh, people are going to talk about the fact that it's in New York. Um, Syracuse is about as as far from New York as you can get to by car. Yes, it's a shorter plane ride, but you're going out of Syracuse Airport, which is um, a much smaller airport than you'd be look going out of in Las Vegas. Um, 
it's not the PCL. That's my number one thing here. The Pacific Coast League is an offensive skewed league. Every single stat that you read out of the PCL, you need to take with a grain of salt. So we're into the International League. It's a pretty balanced league between pitching and hitting. That's what you want to see. You want to be able to have your pitchers go up to the AAA level and have them go up against hitters and everyone being on the same level. That is very big. Additionally, on a very selfish level, I can now go see four of the six stateside Mets minor league teams. That's really great for me. The only ones I can't see are the ones down in Florida, and, you know, if I, if I was a little bit more dedicated or a better grandson, I'd go down and visit my grandfather, and <laughs> I, I'd go and, and, and watch some baseball games. But, uh, you know, it's, it's one of these things where I can now go to Pennsylvania, I can see the AAA team, I can go down to Trenton, I can see Binghamton play, I can go to Lakewood and see Columbia play, and I can go to Brooklyn and see the Cyclones. Come on, Grandpa, start putting some pressure on your grandson. Get him to come down and visit you in in Florida. I don't think at 90 he checks into podcasts. Uh, <laughs> well, that's probably an excellent point. Now, um, to, to to me, the, the, the crazy thing is that more clubs don't own their own affiliate. And the, the Mets have had some problems playing nice in the sandbox with some of the, the owners of the PCL team. I mean, they got kicked out of uh, Norfolk slash Tidewater, where they had been for forever. And, and then they, they ended up in New Orleans. They didn't like New Orleans, so they got out as soon as they could, and they went to Buffalo. And then the Buffalo owners kicked them out. So to me, the best thing about this move is that there's stability and they own it and they can create the, the ballpark and, and anything else that they want. And, and I just think that that's a fabulous thing. Absolutely. I, I, I like that it's Syracuse, that it'll be Syracuse moving forward. And, and you know, we now have a pretty solid uh, grouping of teams. I don't think things are going to move that much. I think Binghamton isn't, isn't a lock, but I think we have sort of a nice assortment of teams. Well, I think that's it for the questions I have for you. Do you have any last parting thoughts? I'll, I, I think that, you know, what I'd, I'd like to, to see and talk to you about in the near future is you're going to be posting your top 50 prospects. Uh, you're going to do your own. I, I wasn't as brave. I did an aggregate top 50 with a couple of uh, longtime readers. So um, once you publish that, maybe we do another uh, little chat, you and I, and we uh, try and, and tackle our technological problems once again. Uh, sounds like a plan. Well, um, this was on cast. Uh, next week, uh, we should be back on the uh, the Legend Sports Network. And uh, I have a guest lined up, although right now I'm blanking on his name. I was going to be great, and I was going to plug the next week's show. But come back 9 o'clock Wednesday at the Legend Sports Network and find out with me who the guest is going to be. Ooh, the air well, of mystery. <laughs> well, <laughs> the, the air of airhead for not being able to remember. But uh, that, that's all for, for us tonight. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, good night and goodbye. Goodbye. Better Second. chance to come up.